What's up, guys? Welcome to In the Office with Scott and Wes. I am Wes Holly. Oh, is this where I talk? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> okay, talk. right, right, right. Yeah. I'm Scott. It's great to be back, uh, just sitting here in a new location for the podcast. New location. Enjoying a, a grande blonde roast from your local Starbucks. Starbucks, uh, so many locations um, nationwide. Make sure you stop by. Um, great, great system of employment. We talked about that last time. Health insurance. Uh, and all that other stuff, and really just make a quad. Their blonde roast is good. Their pie place is terrible. Their blonde roast is good. I'd agree. I'd agree. One thing they do wrong, and uh, if if Mr. Starbucks is out there listening, I can't remember the guy's name. He used to own the the Supersonics, but um, I think he ran for president briefly. But uh, so one thing that bothers me is I love their blonde roast, but after. Like at some point, maybe it's either 10 a.m. or noon, they stop having it like in a little deal so it becomes a pour over. So instead of it being this instant thing where like blonde roasting is there in your hand, it takes them a while because they got to do that. And I'm like, why do you, why don't you just keep one of the, the, uh, the coffee kegs just, uh, <laughs> just like ready with the blonde roast? Um, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a hot take because, I mean, I feel like it's a popular blend, but I think we've had enough of Pike Place. I don't, I don't want to drink charcoal. Mm. I agree. It's that's a bad coffee. Yeah. It's a bad coffee, Scott. I feel like there's a lot of people wondering, like, "Oh man, y'all been gone for like two weeks." And and what do you have <laughs> to say to that? We're lazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, to be honest with you, like, let's let's just let's be honest. Let's be yeah, honest. Let's be we honest. have we have jobs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and this is like our what we'll call a side hustle. Because um, we make. Tons Zero, of, ton, sun, tons, of, tons money. of money. We're still yeah. waiting for that sunglass company to say we can talk about their product. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whoever they were. Um, but yeah, we have we have jobs. We have things that come up. We need to take naps. Um, right. There are holidays and, and all that other stuff. But we love doing this. But you know, it's it's not like uh, you know other side hustles that people do where they make fistfuls of cash that the IRS doesn't know about. That's not <laughs> what this is. Right. Uh, but we do apologize. We're, we're planning on um, recording a bunch of episodes over the next couple of weeks so we can just kind of shotgun those out yeah. uh, consistently um, and try to be a little bit better about that. It's, it's all about self-discipline. We don't have a lot. Um, that's part of the youth ministry game is not having a lot of self-discipline. Sure, sure. So, yeah, and, and I got to just – I'll wait till the end of the episode to go on my rant on yeah, Apple. Yeah, let's, uh, let's save that. Cause... Apple, just know it's coming. About 30 minutes from now it's coming, <laughs> and it's going to be hot. Hear that, Tim Cook. Scott's coming for you. I'm coming for you. But speaking of Tim Cook, um, <laughs> we have we have a guy here. Some would say the Tim Cook of River Chase United Methodist some Church. Some people would say the Tim Cook of, of United of the United Methodist Church, the whole United Methodist Church, the whole thing. The yeah, whole some thing. people say Adam Hamilton. They're wrong. Uh, this guy is the next uh, Adam Hamilton. Um, the next guy that's going to write um, the pretty much the only Methodist author that people buy their books and stuff. Mm. Uh, if you if you like look in our library, like half the library is dedicated to Adam Hamilton, but very soon will be dedicated to this guy. We have a graduate of Homewood High School, Homewood High School, Homewood High School, uh, Birmingham Southern College, that fine mm. liberal arts institution up yes, there sir. in Western Birmingham. That you should all go to. And then mm. if you're looking for a seminary of choice, you should go to Southern Methodist University and get your master's of divinity there, which is where this uh, gentleman got his degree from. We mm. actually had some classes together. He was the front of the class guy. I was the back of the class guy, as you can tell. <laughs> no, one, no one's going to be surprised. Yeah, about no that. one's going to be shocked by that. But let's welcome in uh, the Reverend. Are you Reverend? I'm a Reverend. Yeah. Reverend. Oh, Reverend. The Reverend uh, Ross Furio. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thanks, studio audience, for this. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be here. It's good yeah, to be right. here with you. Yeah, it's right. good to have you in my office. I guess. Oh, I we say. are in his we, office. We are in his office. That, ooh. Should we start like doing these things where we like go to people's offices and do it? Probably. It is in the office. That'd be a good I, I don't idea. Know. The, the setup was so smooth that you really already have it <laughs> yeah, down right. to an art. So yeah, I, I you know it's like anytime you do something for the first time, it takes a little while, and, and this definitely did. But you know, Ross, let's just kind of you know let's we just want to know you. You know, we want to know you better. Um, so just walk us through really the two questions I want to know. Why Birmingham Southern, and then why uh, did you choose to go to to Dallas to go to SMU for seminary instead of like Emory or one of the other schools? So your your two questions are solely based on my education. Yes, that's my first two questions. We're starting off there. I want what I want the people to know is that you are educated because mm. the topic we're discussing today is going to require education. Uh, yes, yes. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick Birmingham Southern. All my friends are going to Auburn, so mm-hmm. it was between Auburn and BSC. Mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Auburn didn't give me any scholarship money. That's what fun, they do. Fun, fun fact out what there. So it was actually cheaper for me to go to BSC one, and two, BSC had a religion major, and Auburn didn't. Uh-huh. And I thought I wanted to do this crazy thing called being a pastor. Yeah, crazy. And, right? uh, <laughs> yeah. and so I went with the religion major. Yeah. But I didn't want to be in Birmingham. Yeah. That was the one drawback for me for BSC. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, you're kind of. Yeah, you're definitely in Birmingham. You're kind of like in the heart of Birmingham. I was about to say it may be a little bit different, but, I mean, you're there. I mean, you're oh, like no, 10 you're, minutes away you from your You are home. in Birmingham. Yeah. But so, the yeah. reason I went to Perkins yeah. is because I wanted to go somewhere far away for seminary. Yeah. So because I stuck around in Birmingham for college, I saw seminary as my chance to, to, leave. to get yeah. somewhere else. So I went to Dallas instead of Atlanta. Yeah, let me ask you this question because I, I have my opinion on this. But going into seminary, what was the thing? Maybe the maybe the biggest thing is like, all right, I th- you thought it was going to be a certain way, and then how it turned out was very different than your expectation of what seminary was going to be. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't know how far down this rabbit hole you want to you want to venture. Oh, we'll but, dig. Uh, we'll dig, brother. Yeah, it's it it lacked practical information that I was hoping we would learn, and I'm sure you would agree with that. A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> that was probably the major thing for me. Yeah, I, I kind of thought, I, like, I knew there would be academics to it and all that stuff, writing papers, but I, I really thought there would be, uh, long story short, um, having worked in a church was, I was not prepared by seminary to actually work in a church. Like, there are there are things that they don't teach you, like, even, even things like finances and stuff like that. I mean, you learn about the Old New Testament, you learn about ethics, you learn about all these other things. But you don't. You even don't really learn about how to practically deal with like if Wes comes into the office and is like, "Hey, uh, this is going on." You're not. You don't really train to kind of deal with that either. So it's sort of. It's like getting this. You know, between eighty and ninety-six hour degree, depending on where you go, that kind of gets you to the next level of ministry. But it doesn't really. Besides giving you knowledge about some subjects you may cover, it doesn't really teach you how to be a pastor. Yeah, and I would say too, I bet you'd agree with this that I learned more that I currently use at River Chase from the church that I worked at when I was in seminary than I learned yeah. in seminary. A hundred percent. So, is, as someone who the, the only person in this room that hasn't been to seminary, has was it just strictly like theology based, or was it like Perkins, theology and his in history? Perkins was more so. There was limited preaching classes, one worship class, no finance class, a little bit of pastoral care. Yeah. But the rest was pretty high level academic theological studies and writing and wow. stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and that's that's sort of uh, if you you know. 
Perkins is attached to Southern Methodist. And so a lot of times seminaries that are attached to like kind of big academic institutions are going to be like that. Whereas maybe your standalone uh, seminaries um, are probably more focused on the ministry aspect of it and not like this is a master's program and all that. But um, I enjoyed it. Mm. I'm not done yet. I got to leave here and, and finish a project that's now 24 hours late. But that's I will okay. say it does feel good to be on the other side of it. Though. I bet it does. Yeah. yeah, it does. I bet it does. <laughs> Yeah, Ross was a was big into always in the front of the classroom, always paying attention, always taking notes. Um, I was big into watching football games and other YouTube mm. videos on my computer in the back and not paying attention. Listen, man, if you're on that 90-91 platform right there and needing to get bumped up, you know what they're going to remember? Who was there, yeah. Who, who was there in the front of the class? Well, typically the platform I'm on is that 78 to 79 platform. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of like where where it's gone now. Is I will So in Canvas, Wes, you probably know this. And, and our students do too because they have Canvas for Hoover City Schools because we give them those stupid Chromebooks for no reason that are causing their brains to go nutty. But that's a different That's for another day. That's, that's a different conversa- crusade. Another conversation. But if you go on Canvas and you look at your grades, you can go to like the things that you haven't done yet and you can say, all right, if I make this – it's like a what if thing. So you can say, all right, yeah, if I make a zero, what's that going to do to my grade? And I'm going to be honest. There's been times a semester where I've gone in there. It's like, if I just flat out don't do this, what's going to happen? Oh, it'll drop it a point. Not doing it. <laughs> it's that's, that's the kind of example you should yeah, be setting yeah. for our listeners. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Say, say more about that. Well, look, um, at this point, I've been in seminary uh, off and on since 2012, I think. Oh, my gosh, Wes. It's JT something's birthday. Who's that? <laughs> Who is that, Wes? It's actually a friend from Texas. Oh, yeah. mm, Texas. Yeah, mm. I. at some point you get there and you're like, I just, I just want to get this over with. And I reached that point. Like, I did well enough kind of at the beginning academically to where I can kind of coast now. It's not the greatest advice. I 100% admit that. But, you know, especially with the job I have now it, and getting married – it is low on my priority list. Extremely low. But yeah, kids, try hard academically, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll move on from that. So our our podcast, as you know, I don't know if you've, you've ever listened to it. which He um, hasn't. He, he told yeah, me. Hot, yeah. hot, hot take, never listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway. Our podcast, so so you know, our podcast, we, we typically stick with tech things, pop culture, uh, and we've had many uh, and multiple discussions about kind of Apple and, and their kind of reign and supremacy of just their tech and hardware, phones, tablets. So I, I see in front of you on a day-to-day basis, and you're always in here on your computer every time I walk in typing up something, how... Do you basically do you en- enjoy your experience with your Apple, like with your laptop and your iPhone, um, and also you you have wired earphones? And would you ever consider move. would you ever consider switching to something else? Uh, I use Apple purely out of convenience. Okay, that's a good. Answer. I feel like that's purely, the majority. Of, purely out yeah. of convenience. Uh, if I was into tech more, would I probably not get an Apple phone for my next phone? Yeah, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably go with Google. But really? I just mm. I don't care about my phone that much. Yep. I know how to work the Apple software. Same with my computer. Sure. Yep. Sure. But uh, does my phone die after about two and a half years, three years of use? Yeah, it sure does. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, I, 
I think that Rost represents probably the majority of... So when this whole smartphone thing became a, a deal and the iPhone's really the first one, I think everybody latched on to an iPhone as their like primary thing and have just stuck with it. And it is still, by far and away, the easiest one to use. iOS software is simple. And that's why when my parents finally decided, all right, yeah, we're going to get smartphones, they got an iPhone because the person in the Verizon store, Verizon. They, they looked at your parents and they said, these people need the iPhones. easiest phone you they You need can iPhones because yep. everything's right in front of your face. And uh, even yeah. though they've made adjustments to iOS over the years, it's still easy. And once you have an iPhone, having a MacBook and all, everything just syncs together so well that trying to have like a Windows-based PC, you're, you're missing out on some features. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. But I'll tell you what, they're the not really good you know, at keeping stock like AirPods Pros. Next thing you know, you're like, Scott, you got an iPad sitting in front of you, too. Yeah, I got two iPads, Ross. How's that feel? <laughs> one for just reading. This one's this one's One for, for just reading? I just really? read off of it now. Yeah, I got two iPads. <laughs> so, Ross, in a world where AirPods and stuff exist, you are you are clinging to strong, these uh, wired headphones. These a, these are Bose, just, just for the record. Okay. I'm not a heathen, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. true, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bose is a good product. <laughs> um, so tell me your, your attachment to these uh, Bose headphones. You know, I've never really been impressed with the Apple headphones. Okay. I love okay. music. Okay. I mm -hmm. use them because they come with my phone. Sure. And I just I can't justify buying the AirPods. Yeah, that's fair. Scott and I were just talking about mm -hmm. this. He has a pair, but they were a gift. If yes. I received a pair as a gift, shameless plug here, if I received a pair as a gift, yeah. would I use them? Absolutely. Yes, they were a gift from my fiance Katie, who's lovely, and it's a fantastic gift, and I use them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Can like I, I justify to... buying them? The answer is no. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it is. Even to get like the basic ones that don't have noise-canceling principles or anything like that, it's you're talking about $170. Bucks. That's a, that ain't nothing. And they'll give you, if you get a new iPhone, they give you the wired ones for free. Exactly. And yeah. that's the problem here. It's the same thing, you know, when you go in nowadays to buy a new phone, they try to get you to buy the wireless charging pad. Yes. Well, the phone comes with a charger. Yeah. So yeah. What, what are we doing here? Is it that hard not to plug the thing in? <laughs> what what are tell we doing you, here? I'll tell you what's going to happen is I've read some rumors, that not this next one, but the iPhone that comes Don't out in 2021. They're getting, the port. they're getting rid of the port. And it's all going to be like... So you can't use your phone while you're charging it? You just got to lay it down on a pad? Got to lay it down Is on a pad. Is that what we're getting to That's here? where we're going. Oh. That's where we're going. That's how they get you. That's what they did taking away the headphone jack. It's like, all right, look, we know these morons don't, are going to buy even, this stuff. Don't even get me started on the USB ports that are non-existent on my He's got a headphone jack. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dongle City. It's terrible. Are you roasting my headphone jack? <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> it is kind of funny. You can't... Can you use those on your... Can you use that on your... Your you phone? know, you got to have the little adapter. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Now, are you are you a pen and paper guy? Are you pretty much all, all on your laptop as far as note-taking and... and Min right? Minimal notes, pen and paper, majority laptop. Yeah. Were you that way through seminary and through college? College, seminary, the whole thing, yeah. Always always a laptop guy. Yeah. Now, what do you, for like note-taking and things like that, what would you use? In class? Yeah. I had a MacBook like Pro. Like, I'm sorry, software-wise. MacBook Pro. Well, but no, like... Like app OneNote? Did you use OneNote? Oh, or dude, Microsoft Word. Just Word? Wow. Straight up Come Word. Come on now, get out oh, of here just, with that. <laughs> yeah, all right. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Michael Stuckey would probably. But I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Like, I, uh, that's kind of like, I would use I would use OneNote, which is pretty much the same thing. 
uh, if I would take notes at all, which was rare. Once I realized something like if the professor said, hey, yeah, all your exams are going to come from the readings, I'm not taking notes. See, but here, here's how you realize how tied I am not to Apple products. I yeah. download Microsoft Office on my Mac computer. Well, well, same. Well, sure. Well, of sure, course. Sure, sure. I don't, I don't even use the software like that that comes Yeah, I mean, if, well, well, no, I I know, I'm, I'm glad you're called. not a monster. I'm glad you're not a monster. I don't even know what it's called. What, what is the Apple version of PowerPoint? Uh, keynote. Keynote, yeah. Never yeah. use that. Yeah, well, you don't need it. If you listen you to our podcast, it. Ross, you, you know that we, we don't either. We've discussed we, this thoroughly, we, but we uh, can clearly tell debates. that Ross is not a listener of the podcast. <laughs> At least you know I wasn't lying here, guys. Yeah, no, yeah. no this, this is good, though. I I agree that yeah. I think – I think uh, so Apple's version of of Word is uh, – Trash. P- pages, and it's, it's just – Well – it depends on what you're trying to use it for, but at this point now, because of like how Adobe products have gotten, and we have access to that, I guess if you want to pay for it, but it's just not. It's totally worthless. It's worthless to me, Wes. It's dead. It's dead. Speaking of things uh, that are evil, like um, some yeah. Apple products. Mm, that was a hard transition. <laughs> that was a hard transition. <laughs> that was a hard turn. So the reason why we wanted to bring Ross in here is because uh, there's been um, – a subject that gets brought up a lot from, especially our high school students. Our students, yeah. And and also just a general thing that's always been, I think, an issue for people with um, with Christianity. I mean, like here it's stated different ways. Either, um, like, you know, say, oh, well, I just, you know, some of the stuff that goes on in the Old Testament doesn't seem to match up with Jesus or read about the New Testament. But the other question that's uh, really big is like, we'll talk about God in a, oh, you know, God is all loving and all knowing and, all this other stuff, and 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 you know Jesus being the picture of of, of God in our lives, and all this other stuff. But uh, then, like you'll get on the news, and um, really, it seems like every day. I mean, I feel like there's a mass shooting every single day now, um, or some other kind of terrible tragedy. So how you know it's really it's the it's the problem of evil. And it's been something that Christians have been trying to deal with for ever. I mean, like, you'll read books from, like, uh, Augustine that deal with this problem of evil. Like, how, in light of that we claim that this is this good, all-knowing God, why is there evil? And so that's why we brought Ross on, because Ross kind of— Are you ready for the answer? Ross is going to definitively answer the question (laughs) right here, right now, um, and put to bed all these theological debates that we've been having for years. Mm. So that's kind of what we want to talk with Ross about today. Have y'all talked about this ever on the podcast? No, this is this is the first time. Do y'all I've usually talked about theology on the podcast? We we'll dabble yeah. in it. Yeah, we'll yeah. dabble in some dabble. some some theology. Well, y'all, y'all told me we were going to talk about this yesterday, two days ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. we gave you twenty four hours. To yeah, get ready. so I've been thinking about it. So, first question we have to answer is: Can God do evil things? Oh, yeah. Can Can God do evil things? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the answer, answer? would have to be no. Right. The answer has to be no. Right? Has to be no. Right. Yeah. So. What are the three forces that act on the world and cause things to happen? So God, God would be one. Yep. Right. Yep. And I think there's two more. Yeah. Wes, do you have a guess? They're not. It's not a trick question. Human agency. Yeah. Would be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what's the other one? Sin. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say natural causes. Natural, natural causes. Natural causality. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah. you have divine agency. Human agency and natural causes. So if we know God doesn't do evil things, yes, then we can rule God out of that equation. Okay, right. So nothing evil that happens in our world can we chalk that up to God made that happen? Yeah, 
So where does evil come from? It either has to come from uh, the natural world, which would be, which would be interesting. Right, and that's where it gets tricky, isn't it? Because if if you if you go with a belief system that God created everything perfectly at the beginning, which would include the natural world, then the only thing that would be left then is is us, the human agency aspect of it, and that's where that would have to be the answer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, what it boils down to is evil, I would say, as far as I understand it, typically flows from free will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like that is so, you know, in more um, conservative, uh, deeply evangelical churches, um, right. you will hear uh, them talk about like, you know, well, God is good, and the antonym or whatever the other side of that is is the devil, which is bad. And right. so there are these two competing forces uh, that are going against one another, and all the manifestations of evil, even in humanity, comes from people being tempted by this Satan character. Um, so I'm not asking you to give me your uh, your theology on the devil, but how how do you think that kind of interacts with sort of your principles of, of where evil comes from. Yeah, clearly if you heard my three causes for how action happens in the world, I didn't mention a Satan character, yes, did I? Yes, So I think that sums up how I think about that, yeah. at least. Uh, I don't know if there's an actual person out there that represents evil or not. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel tempted to get lost in that personally. I think we can do more good for the world if we're willing to face the evil that I think resides within us as humans Ooh. rather than try to pin it on something that's exterior to us. Yeah. But of course, there's a lot of people out there that would disagree with me very strongly. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and like, I've always, the part that I've always like struggled with, cause I sort of, um, you know, I read the Bible and all that stuff. And, and, and I, I think that, I think that evil does exist wherever that comes from or whatever, something I'm, I've, I've tried to like work out in my own thought process and at least in through prayer. And I think where I've always kind of struggled is when you look at some of the things that go on in the world. Um, like I think, I can't remember if I told the story on, on this or somewhere else. You know, my mom, there's a, a museum now or an exhibit in Montgomery uh, that's uh, dedicated to all the lynchings that happened. Right. Right. And um, and my mom was like in there and kind of looking around at all of it and what she she was talking to me about afterwards and she said the thing that I could not get over is how you be get so caught up in the evil of that to where it's one thing you know it's one thing to like hate someone else because of of how they look which is terrible within itself which is a horrible evil um, but to like take that to a point where you completely devalue their human existence to not just like put them to death, but to like celebrate it and to have people come from all around to watch it happen, which is what went on in this kind of like horrible black eye mm -hmm. part of, of American history. It's like how you get to that point of evil um, has always been something that I've struggled with. Even, even like, you know, terrorist attacks and all these other things that happen or these mass shootings uh, that seem to occur 
I know that mental health plays a lot, you know, plays a, a role in that too, but like how you get to that point where you devalue human life so much where you're willing to take it and really have no care about it, I think is like where I kind of struggle is like, is there, what is acting on people to get them that way that goes beyond just our human propensity to sin? Wes, thoughts? That's above my pay grade, Scott. Well, I mean, look, it's above ours, too. You yeah, can at least I guess. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I think you can just say that we don't know. I mean, yeah. we can sit here and spin that wheel all day, and yeah. we can dream of this actor that's pulling us towards our yeah. evil tendencies, and maybe this actor affects more people in different ways, and some people feel that pressure more than, you know, I don't know. Some people would argue for that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think, too, you know, we've only had half the conversation. So we've we've decided, we've all agreed that God doesn't do evil things, right? True. So now we have to figure out where God fits into evil. Yeah. So yeah. How, how does God, and I feel like that's what your question yeah. is getting at, is, is how does God fit in around these evil things that are happening? Because we're not going to say that God is absent, yeah. right? And, you know, you hear this really hurtful phrase, Bad things happen for a reason thrown around uh, yeah. in, at inopportune mm-hmm. times. Very inopportune uh, times. But it, it does beg the question, right? So yeah. where, where does God fit in to the evil? Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I've heard, and we talked about this in, um, in a preaching class that I had at Perkins about kind of like, I can't remember, inherent theologies that we have that will say statements like that, not really understanding the ramifications of what we're sta- saying. Um, you know, things like uh, everything happens for a reason. Or, um, or if when someone passes away, things like, oh, you know, the Lord just needed another angel. Or, uh, or if, if we're going through difficult times, like, you know, this is just a, a test of something. Because when you say, because inherently what you're saying is when I'm going through a difficult time and we'll make claims like, oh, yeah, God just putting us to the test. And that means that, that God is testing us. God is putting this pain and suffering in our lives to do something, which would kind of go against the concept that, that nothing can come from God except goodness. Mm. So yeah, I do think that's where the question really comes in is if these bad things exist and how does God fit in uh fit into that. So I think that is sort of the the bigger question on the table is that. Wes? Well, I, I was kind of thinking on you know what you mentioned earlier talking about uh it, it and it almost points to to it points to like what you were talking about was free will essentially. And, and I think that's the bigger question there is almost, it talks about, you know, if, if God is inherently good and doesn't do bad things, then, you know, that, that leaves sin. So where's that? And that's on us. And, and that's because we have free will from God to choose, to choose to turn from God and also to choose to love God. And, and in either way, that's powerful when you're choosing to love, to love God, that's more powerful than, um, let's say, you know, maybe a Presbyterian view of you know, pre predestined for right, sure, right, yeah. Also, y'all y- asked me that question a couple of days ago, and so I started thinking of of uh, examples in Scripture. So I came up with two that I think would be interesting for us to talk about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the first one I thought about was the Exodus and Pharaoh. Yeah. And the second yeah. one that I thought about was Judas. Yeah. Those were two, I mean, you know, there's there's going to be evil acts planted all over the Bible, but I feel like those were two that listeners would have a pretty good grasp of. Yeah. So with Pharaoh, God gives him a hard heart. Yeah, that's what our scripture says. says that. Yeah. And it, it, it says it in a way where it's like that's what Pharaoh wanted. Yeah. 
and it, it gives him this blindness to yeah. where he doesn't understand that his kingdom is crumbling and he right. thinks he is God. Right. But what does it lead to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, I was actually asked that question about that passage when I was here, I guess it was like 2015. Um, we were going through the Exodus passage and a girl raised her hand and said, my biggest question is why does it say here? And then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. And then Pharaoh gets all his boys together and, and takes on, takes after uh, the Israelites and then is, he takes on God head yeah. to head. He, I mean, the, the yeah. plagues, he takes on God head to head. Yeah, it's, I think that is something, um, that's a part of, of that, like, passage. Because it's written both ways. Sometimes it says, you know, when and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, like it was a personal choice. And sometimes it, it adds the agency of God's the one that did right. it. Right, right. Um, which I think is kind of like why it's a, a complex matter. Wes, what do you think about that? I don't know. I'm trying to process that. Yeah. It's in there. Yeah. It's in there that God yeah, but, does it. But because God gave Pharaoh a hard heart, it led to all the plagues. Yep. It led to Pharaoh having blindness so that he wouldn't give in. He wouldn't, yep. you know, give away the Israelites. He wouldn't release them from their captivity. Yeah. And and then it, you know, it allowed Moses to rise as a leader among right. the Israelites because they saw him as the one who God was working through to rescue them, which yeah. I've always kind of, when I've like looked or studied kind of religions back in that point, the way I've always kind of looked at stories like that, which are very, it's difficult to understand. But I, I even think about, and this is a weird connection to make, but the story of David and Goliath. When David goes out there and, and, and Goliath kind of like makes a comment to him, and then David responds with one of the most brutal like pregame speeches in the history of mankind. Yeah. And says, uh, basically says, you know, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm here with God of angel armies, blah, blah, all this other stuff. And, and the, you know, God's name will be known throughout this whole region because of this moment. And I almost feel like that's sort of the, the reason behind what happens in Exodus is because, like, Wes, I don't know if you do this or not, but kind of back then how whoever your God was, like all these different areas, regions had gods. And their god was basically based on how powerful your military was. So if your military was incredible and you were dominating everyone, that meant that your god was more powerful than everyone else. So that's why you see a lot of times in the Old Testament them talking about other gods. And obviously we don't believe that there are other gods, but that was the reason why. And Pharaoh was kind of the embodiment of the Egyptian god. And so at that point, that god was, quote-unquote, the most powerful in all the land. And so that's why this kind of competition between um, the God of the Israelites and, and the God of Egypt going head-to-head, this personification versus the spiritual nature that Moses is talking about, um, kind of comes to the forefront. And so it, it could be one of those things that, that by hardening Pharaoh's heart to all these things, by making sure that all these plagues were done, the Egyptians saw the power and might of, exactly. of their God. Exactly. It, it allowed people to see God's divine agency and power. Yeah. So, I mean, if we say Pharaoh was evil, yeah, sure. But did God work in and through that evil? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he did. And we can see that pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah, which is... So God's not absent in evil. No. And I think we see the same thing with Judas. And I think that's really the climax of thinking yeah. this way, right, is that... It was an evil act of betrayal yep. that led, arguably led, to Jesus being on the cross. Yep. But what became of that? Yeah. Salvation. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, 
so like it, it's like a ends justifies the means type of uh, see, and that's and that's where that's where the thin ice shows itself because it's very thin ice that we're walking on right, right. now. Right. Yeah. Because I think the biggest sort of psychological theological issue with the Judah story is that you're like, all right, that had to happen. It had to happen because the moment that Jesus comes to Earth, like the whole purpose of this whole narrative is for him to end up crucified. Um, to, to conquer death once and for all for all right, humanity. So right. something had to happen. Right, but that something came out of somebody's free will. Which is... But, right? I mean... Yeah, but I think that's where it like gets kind of... kind of, like, sketchy. Like, did it? And and, and I don't... I'm obviously... I, you know, I'm not Presbyterian, and I at one point was... would kind of say that mm, I like... You're going to bring in the little predestination card yeah, I had, for me? I had, some, yeah. I had some Calvinist beliefs. I think when you're when you're younger, and uh, and I was younger, and I was kind of like uh, in sort of a, a spiritual wilderness, and some things happened when I was in high school, and then we started going to Church right. of Brook Hills, and David Platt was the preacher, and yep. he's, a, he's a Calvinist. And so I was sitting there listening to a guy teach the Bible in a way that I had never heard. Right. And it made it all conceptually make sense. Right. Everything made sense. And so and that was kind of the it theology was, that it I It was took. put in a box for you. Yeah, it was you put could, in a box. You could carry that box around with you. Yeah, exactly. I read a book about it. was a really neat yeah, box. It was a very Everything neat was box. organized in there and yeah. had a place. And Everything had a place. Everything had an answer. You right. know, my friend passed away in a car accident. Calvinism gave me an answer as to why that happened. Yeah, you're exactly Even right. Even if I didn't like it, it still gave me an answer. But you And pointed this, to Scripture that... Yeah, but you have this story... Where, I mean, I guess it's sort of like, all right, well, you know, we don't know what would have happened if Judas hadn't been the one that had done it. But when you read this story, you're, you kind of like look at Judas's character like, it had to happen. Like, he had, somebody had to do it. And so you're kind of like put into a situation when you look at that passage of Scripture, when you look at, all right, you know, Judas was filled with you know, evil and greed or whatever and decided to do this, and, and that led to X, Y, or Z. Like, do you really have a choice? And 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 because if you say they had a choice, then you like then you got to put in somewhat of a question. All right, well then if he didn't do it, then what would have happened? But if you say he didn't have a choice, then oh my gosh, the implications of that on the world we live in today are yeah, yeah. pretty extreme. Pretty extreme. Yeah, pretty extreme. And I think that's why why it's such a a difficult question to deal with. But even uh, like going. Beyond that, the part of that story that I've always found fascinating is like they're in uh, Jerusalem and, and or in and around Jerusalem, and, and why like it took Judas being like, yeah, this is the guy, yeah, a guy who had like at that point tons of followers, tons of people. He had a parade like a few days before where there there are people all around the city saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you know, Hosanna in the highest. Why did it take him going and kissing Jesus on the cheek to be like, oh yeah, this is the one we should arrest? How did they not know? How do they not know that's who that was? I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah, that's, I, that's always been the part of the story. It's like, how do they not know that this was Jesus? I feel like he was pretty famous at that point. Another, sorry, I'm kind of switching back gears a little bit. Another question I feel like that this this kind of brings up, in my mind at least too, is like what, when we say God is good, like what what's the definition of good there? What's our mm. version of good versus what's what's God's version of good because when you look at and like see, and see Wes you're, you're inching closer to something I was about to say which is we're sitting here with three finite minds yeah. trying to answer a question that I would say is infinite 
A hundred percent, right? And when you look at something like the story of Judas, too, like he betrays Jesus, but what are, you know, what, what are the implications of that? What the Christian movement starts in everyone's salvation for everyone, and and everyone can die with, you know, and go to heaven if you chose to believe in Jesus. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good thing. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with the whole salvation <laughs> for all mankind thing being a good thing. <laughs> and so, like, what you know, what do we does, you know, someone betraying him that has already proclaimed to be a Jesus follower their whole life, you know, and then you know ultimately he goes like I think kills himself, but you know he is also then saved too, because he's not this this isn't beyond him too. He has salvation too because he believed in Jesus and followed Jesus too, even though he sinned, which we all do, but those were saved. So you're, you're going on record here that, that Judas right. is, Judas is in the heavenly courts. Kind Maybe. of co- to connect this back to star Wars. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like that scene in return of the Jedi where like Darth Vader all of a sudden turns good then after murdering everyone <laughs> And uh, and then it's like in the whole force cloud thing there at the end that Luke's like looking. You got Obi Wan that oh I don't know this guy killed. Is this, is this where you drop your hot take? No, I mean <laughs> not yet. But I do have a Return of the Jedi hot take. I think the movie's trash. But um, there it is. But you got that like scene where all of a sudden because of this like thing that Darth Vader does at the end, all of a sudden Anakin Skywalker's up there in the force cloud with all his buddies again. It's like oh yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to think. I'm thinking through all this. Judas right now. is in the force cloud. Sense. Trying to make sense of it. Cloud I'm you. just trying to make yeah, sense. Yeah, I think I think I think we can pull some really simple things from looking at Judas and thinking about evil, right? Sure. I yeah. think I think one of them is that when evil things happen in our world, we should not, as Christians, give up hope. Sure. I think one of the temptations and one of the things you hear people say when something really bad happens in our world is this is hopeless. Yeah. There's no hope here. Yeah. I think if we learn anything from scripture, it's that that is never, ever, ever the case. Yeah. I mean, there was three days of hopelessness before Jesus came back. Yep. So there is going to be a buffer most of the time, but that doesn't mean we should give up hope. Yeah, and and I like, and this is such like a cop-out thing to say, but like I've really, the weirdest thing about seminary is that, and I actually had this conversation. We we didn't say this about seminary either, but seminary breaks you theologically, and then they try to provide a place where you can put the pieces back together. Yes. Which is part of the reason why Scott and I enjoy conversations like this, because it's fun to tear it down and try to put it back together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the one thing that happened to me in seminary is, and I actually had a conversation with uh, some other youth ministers in town about this, and they kind of like said the same thing is that it it's crazy that like I have more knowledge about all this stuff now than I ever did and and but at this point in my life I'm not going to say I'm more confused but I'm more adept to sit there and say hey look I don't know yeah I would say I'm more comfortable being uncomfortable 100% 100% and I think that is kind of like the key to to dealing with this is like all right we know that God is good that that God isn't we don't I don't God doesn't produce evil God doesn't make evil acts happen like some uh, TV ministers will tell you that that God does like oh yeah a hurricane came that's God's divine will right. on New Orleans or some stupid thing right. like that right we know that to be a fact we have to believe that the moment we believe that God causes evil is the moment that 
This whole thing, this whole thing falls apart. Called Christianity, yeah. in my opinion, comes tumbling down. It comes tumbling once we down. Cross that threshold. So then, if you if you you believe that, and then kind of the rest, it's like how this sort of interaction between God working through in and around the fact that there is evil that exists, um, whether that evil is personified in some other force or whether that evil just is personified within ourselves. It's you got to be okay with the fact that you're not going to get it. You gotta be okay with the fact that you're not gonna have some tight knit answer, right? And and I think Christian ministers we get so caught up in trying to answer this question that we're not gonna physically be able to answer because we don't know. We don't. It's and it's okay to not know some of these things that go on in this realm that we can't understand. At least in my extremely. You know, well, C plus educated uh, <laughs> opinion. So you're you're gonna cap off this rich conversation with a big fat, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to. I, I think you have to because, like, it's like with every string that you pull, there's a oh, yeah. there's an inherent issue. Like with the Judas thing, if that's you say, a, "Oh yeah," good, that's a good way to put it. If you're like, "Oh yeah," you know, God, God used Judas for this means, like, okay. But even that language, you hear that language you just used? Yeah, exactly. God used Judas. Exactly. I would say that's not right. Exactly. I think that, but you would have to, if you're going to take it to the extent of, uh, well, you know, Judas had to do it because this is, was the means for, as Wes said earlier, you know, the ends justify the means. Judas had to do this. So then, oh, therefore, you know, God used whatever Judas to put Jesus on the cross. Then you're kind of like, all right, well, does that mean that like Judas was like this this follower of Jesus? Everything was great, and then God decided, oh yeah, this is going to be the one that I like turn in order to make this thing happen. And even if Judas does is in the force cloud with Obi Wan and Darth Vader at the end, <laughs> uh, at the end, I mean, it's just kind of it's a mess. Like it's all a mess. It's all kind of like a messy thing to try to figure it all out. Sure. And, and I think. You gotta be okay with being in the slop. I think I think we just pushed the mud around a little bit though. I think we made it a little better. Yeah, it was yeah. it's a little yeah. clear. It's a little clear. The mud's a little bit clear. There's a little bit of water in there. You can see through it a little bit. Uh, that was a cool conversation, especially for it's cool being in the room with two like seminary minds that yeah, that have genius that have lived. Yeah. I'm not oh, yeah, saying I'll, that. I'll, I'll bill you all in the mail. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but, that's fine. We need a guy. But I don't know. Just being around people that have studied studied this, and you know, th- that's like what you're you're paid to do is wrestle with these questions and these ideas, and and yeah. that's what you're studying. That was the point. And that's cool to be here secondhand, kind of like you know, just hearing that. And uh, so that this is really cool for me too. Yeah. But. Does it doesn't it make you just want to be a part of this for the rest yeah, of your yeah. life? Does it, <laughs> does it make seminary more interesting? to you? Yeah, I don't know. But we got to move on to the next part of our show, I, Ross. I just think I'll, that these rich conversations, Wes, <laughs> are are what like. Makes I, I think there's a reason you're here in this. I think there's with. a reason wow. you're here, Wes. Yeah. To be a part of this, to take in this knowledge, and then you know what? To go and replicate that knowledge to the rest of the world for all mankind. In yeah. w- in whatever way you think is best. Yeah. Yeah. But probably in a, a probably in a full time <laughs> probably in a full time ministry role. Probably in a full time. No, 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 no. It's definitely not that. They're gonna have rules and regulations. But anyway, Ross, uh, we normally on our show we we end with uh, kind of hot takes. Um, and we're running short on time here, so I didn't know if you had. Uh, I any got two quick, hot takes, by the way. Any Maybe quick? Three. Let's go. Let's go. Ross's, and then we'll close with Scott's. Well, clearly, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've got a thing. Yeah, so we're recording this on Tuesday, December the tenth. I don't know if any of you saw the Celtics game last night. Gordon Hayward made his return. He put up fourteen points. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say that the Seas lift a banner here in 2020. You think they're going to win the NBA like an Eastern Conference championship? No, I'm talking about all of it. The finals. Yeah, hot hot take. 
Wow. Listen, we're the only the team. We're the only team in the league before Hayward got injured that had three players averaging twenty points a game. I would go as far to say that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the next Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Wow. <laughs> now, like I'll say this, this is probably the first time we've had a regular season NBA hot take ever on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll say this about the Celtics. Uh, look, I'm I'm a Mavericks only person. I only watch the Mavericks games. I got no idea what else goes on in the NBA. I know the Lakers are good and the Celtics are good. I think Brad Stevens is by far and away the best coach in the NBA. Also, hot take. I think Luca looks like me. <laughs> you know, it's kind of disturbing right now, yeah, but he's kind of right. He's kind of right. Kind of right. All right, that's a good take. Right, it's lifting a, good, a banner. We'll like we'll come back with this when the NBA season too. actually ends, like in July or whenever it it gets over with, after the Mavericks beat the Celtics in the finals. Scott, your hot takes. Yeah, so multiples. Um, we'll start with some, I, like I said uh, earlier, kind of mentioned it. I think Return of the Jedi is an supremely overrated film. Um, I think if so, if you're gonna, you, are you going to hide behind supremely overrated? You're just going to come out and say it's bad. I don't think it's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think uh, Empire Strikes Back is excellent. I think the story arc is incredible. I think A New Hope is pretty good too. It's there's some problems in there with storyline things, but Return of the Jedi. You think it's no Phantom Menace? <laughs> Listen, we and we, we talked about this yesterday. We can all get on board with the fact that Attack of the Clones is a horrid terrible. Movie. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. to say such blasphemy about Return of wow. the Jedi. Okay. It's hot guys. I, I like hot take. these are my problems. Number one, the Ewoks. Give me a break. Um Number, That's where you're going to hang your hat on the Ewoks. Well, so this is this is my biggest issue with Star Wars the first one. So in the first Star Wars movie, um, when the stormtroopers number one, the stormtroopers the first time you meet them, uh, they pwn the rebel soldiers and hit them like in the chest multiple times, and then all of a sudden they're terrible shots. So now you're getting into it Star makes Wars sense. Conspiracy now. It <laughs> makes sense in the first one because what Darth Vader says is you know bring them in alive. So that's what Vader wants them alive. So it makes sense for them to miss them in that one because they're trying to bring them in alive. Uh, but all of a sudden, like by the third one, they are so pathetic where these little bears uh, are throwing rocks on them and First defeating of all, them. Small targets. Can we factor that in, please? Yeah, you can factor in the small targets. But I think like one Ewok dies, and then like they they mow down an entire <laughs> like uh, armament of stormtroopers is with. The big kind of leggy things, too. It's all ridiculous. Number two, I hate the fact that Darth Vader turns at the end. Mm. He's like the embodiment of evil to this whole franchise. Shows zero signs of remorse or zero signs of turning. To the very end, it's like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden I feel compassion for this kid that I abandoned, killed his mom, and uh, and just kind of left him hanging out there forever you like he didn't weak. exist. How about, saying with, how about saying with Jesus Christ we're never supposed to give up hope? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I guess that's real and true, but uh, you know, I I just didn't like how I don't like the story arc. I think a lot of it's forced there. Then try tying loose. Oh yeah, Luke and Leia are brother and sister, even though they practically made out in like two of the movies before. I will say that I think the Mandalorian is the best Star Wars content that has come out since the Empire Strikes Back. A hundred percent. Thank you, Ross. One was pretty good though too. Thank you, Ross. But is it better than the Mandalorian? I, I think no. it's in the same vein. Like, I felt like the, the directors between those, it was much more... The first one felt like almost like a cowboy-style movie, like old war story-type movies. One? 
like I think the original three, I think Rogue mm. One and The Mandalorian feel like that. Whereas the other ones was much more smoke and mirrors. And, Rogue One's great. Yeah, Rogue, Rogue One One's great. Good. I could care less about The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi also was like, yeah. But uh, <laughs> whoever's uh, call it was to put Baby Yoda in there, just give them the rights to Star Wars. So uh, Star Wars is pretty good about merchandising and all that stuff. But they messed up royally by not having any of that Baby Yoda stuff ready for Christmas. Yeah. Like you can't get it. They don't have like plush. Yeah, like plush stuffed baby Yoda. I'd probably get one. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Mandalorian is fantastic. Baby, it makes you feel you listen like to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, make it happen. But all right, anyway, I got two want, more. Well, actually, I'm gonna save. I want to save your 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 next. Hot but I got because... one more that's not that important. But Chad Morris was just hired as the offense coordinator at Auburn. Oh. Former Arkansas head coach Chad Morris. I think that's an incredible hire. <laughs> and in Auburn next year, you guys, whoo, it's gonna be hot <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball. That's awesome. So, Ross, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, we loved having you, um, and hopefully we can have you back soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, of course. <laughs> yeah, your office is uh, 100 feet uh, away from us. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if you want to send in hot takes, you can send them in at rsm underscore students or Wes underscore holly on Instagram. Uh, we had a pleasure just talking talking with you guys today about some, uh, yeah. some serious uh, theology. But anyway, we'll see you guys later. This has been In the Office with Scott and Wes, and we will see you guys later. Bye. Thank you.